Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I recommended a movie to you last week for those who were here, Chariots of Fire, and I'm going to start today by recommending one of the greatest underdog sports movies of all time. It came out in 1993, Let the Anticipation Build. It's based on a true story about four Jamaican bobsledders who competed in the Winter Olympics. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Cool Runnings. If you haven't seen Cool Runnings, your pastor is giving you an assignment. Yes, read scripture this week. Also watch Cool Runnings this week. The opening scene is of the main character, Jerese Bannock. He's training as a sprinter, and I don't wanna spoil the movie for you necessarily. And when I used to watch him train as a kid, it inspired me to go out into my court and just run. And then the challenges they faced when they became a bobsled team, facing all of these, what we call quitting points, when they could have just thrown in the towel and they kept moving through them, always inspired me to train for something. I would get on my little bike and just do laps around my court like I was getting ready for the Olympics. I would put my rollerblades on and play street hockey like it was the end of the world. Anybody with me? Training, and just recently in these Olympic uh, trial seasons, I've been watching and going down huge rabbit trails on YouTube of like old Olympic games and like world records being broken. Has anybody ever done that? (laughs) No, no one, Zach Willis, thank you. I mean, you can spend an hour just watching these YouTube videos. Let me, okay, let me encourage you. Watch old YouTube videos, you guys online too. I love And humans in general love watching people at peak performance. And one of the things you learn if you are an athlete or if you uh, watch athletes like me, (laughs) you learn that athletes always run into quitting points and they have to prepare ahead of time for hitting quitting points and making pre-decisions on what they will do when that happens. And you guys know in the race of life, the same kinds of things happen. We all face quitting points in our life when whatever challenge just becomes so magnified, it seems so impossible that if we were to decide right now, we might just throw in the towel. It might just be over. And my encouragement to you today is to think about what you will do ahead of time when you hit quitting points. And more directly, what will you do now if you're facing a quitting point in this moment of your life? You know, over the last few days, we had our first Uh, Graceland College of Biblical Studies pilot class. Right here over the last three days, we had about a dozen students uh, do a biblical counseling class with Dr. Chapman. I heard a few woos, a few guys were in that class. 10 hours of lecture, the book ahead of time, and now it's time for the exam. We'll let you know about future classes that we're gonna be offering, but we're really excited. Shout out to Brad Tatum and Kelly Ferreira for facilitating that for us. But Dr. Chapman, you can give them a hand, go ahead. One of his illustrations I'm gonna share with you here because it's gonna help us set the stage for Psalm 40, which we're looking at. He talked about in life, we all have goals. Just ignore that X for a second. It says goal there in the middle, something that we are trying to get to. And sometimes a quitting point comes when there's just a direct wall that we run into, something that just blatantly blocks our goal. And Dr. Chapman said that oftentimes when that happens, our response is anger. And then other times... Here in the middle, 
we're going for our goal, but we run into questions, meaning maybe we don't even know what the goal is, or we certainly don't know how to get to the goal, and we don't know what's gonna happen. And he said that's called anxiety or fear. And then on this last section, you can come in this way to this conclave. Sometimes we're going for the goal, but we've been through anger, we've been through anxiety, and now we are just convinced that there's actually no way to reach this goal. It's become unreachable for us, and it leads to uh, depression. It leads to hopelessness, despondency. And all of these things, individually or collectively, can form this barrier called a quitting point. And it's interesting, in the biblical counseling class he taught us, and I couldn't agree with this more, that oftentimes if we're in this stage, we need to reevaluate the goal, first of all. Maybe we need to think a little differently. And I don't in any way wanna downplay counseling. I believe in counseling. I believe in biblical counseling especially. But it, when there are chemical and organic problems, I believe in uh, psychology and, and medication and things like that. So I'm not downplaying that at all. But what I wanna teach today for us as Christians over the next few minutes is to learn how to pray through our challenges. It's this concept of praying through. So when you hit a quitting point, I wanna encourage us together to build the muscle response of instead of quitting, or instead of being overwhelmed with anger, anxiety, or fear, or depression, or hopelessness, learn to flex the muscle of praying through. And like any muscle, it's not necessarily natural, and it's not necessarily easy. If I asked you guys right now, how many pull-ups do you think you could do? I'd love to see some of the dudes' responses, especially who tell me they can do 10 or 20. And then I would just watch you and mock you the entire time. Because unless you're an, a- an active athlete, there's no way athlete, there's no way you're doing 10 or 20 pull-ups. You gotta work towards it. A lot of us have the, the memory of when we were teenagers or younger. Oh yeah, I could bust out 40 pull-ups, no problem. I'm speaking of this out of experience because I once bragged about how many pull-ups I could do and was called in the moment and I could do like six and I was dying. I mean, I was basically crying to get to six because the muscles weren't active, right? And we have to think about the habit of praying through challenges as a muscle. So you might not be actually facing a quitting point or a serious challenge today, You might be facing a quitting point or a serious challenge. For all of us, I wanna encourage us, let's work out the muscle of praying through. And if you feel great today, understand that some point in the future, and this is not um, being pessimistic at all, you will face challenges that will sometimes make you wanna quit certain things. So let's talk about praying through out of Psalm 40. The Psalm is in three different sections. Uh, For the sake of this teaching, we're calling the first section the faithfulness of God. And the first principle is this, start with gratitude. Remember what God has done in your life. So imagine if we, when facing our most serious challenges, rather than just running to God and pouring all of this out, which again, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I'm not sharing this as like some kind of model that you must always cling to, but based on Psalm 40, he didn't start with all the challenges he was in. And it's clear that David was facing a quitting point. He started with gratitude. And he started by intentionally remembering what God had already done in his life, spending a good amount of time on thanking God for prayers that he has answered in the past. Look how he starts in verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me 
and heard my cry. Think about the times in your life when you waited patiently for the Lord and he responded. For me, one of the ones I think of is when I was 17 and the pursuits of my teen years were starting to get more and more shallow and empty. I started wrestling with the things of God. He was drawing my heart towards him. And eventually I just spent time waiting on him. And guess what he did? He answered me, changed my life forever. So, so when I'm facing a crisis, it's so helpful to start with, oh God, thank you that when I wait patiently for you, you hear and answer my cry. In my young 20s, I remember waiting on God, praying for a wife. Right? And sometimes you get long enough in marriage, you get into the challenges of life, you stop thanking God for your spouse, that person you prayed for for a long, long time. And it's helpful to say, oh, wait a second, let me remember, I waited patiently for the Lord, hoping for, praying for, imagining this future spouse. God, uh, he or she isn't perfect, but Lord, you have given them to me and you have called us to work this out. Thank you for bringing us together. I think of times that I ran out of money. Anybody have those moments? and you just waited patiently for the Lord. I've had times where the church I was leading was almost completely out of money, and I've had times where at the exact same time, I personally was almost completely out of money. Can anybody relate to that? Is anybody there? No, don't raise your hand if you're there right now. We, we'll talk to me after service, we'll pray for you, maybe we can help you out, but I waited patiently for the Lord and he provided. He has consistently and faithfully opened doors, done miracles, proved himself faithful, Every time I have waited patiently for him. Is that true for you? Start prayer by remembering. Even in the middle of a crisis, work that muscle. And I wanna submit to you, if you start to practice that, rather than the downward spiral of all the stuff we're dealing with, the impossibilities, you will get stronger at it. It will become your more natural inclination and it will stir you towards Faith. Look what he continues to say in verse two. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Anybody ever been in a slimy pit? This is metaphorical, but yes, I've been in a slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. If you've ever been in middle school, you've been in a slimy pit. Let me just say it that way. He pulls us out of all of the challenges, all the situations. And I love how what David does here is he emphasizes what God has done. So it makes much of God and it puts more in perspective the challenge or the quitting point. Verse three, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. It's like he's saying, when I didn't have a song, when I lost my song, you put a new song in my mouth. God, at times when I didn't have a song, you showed yourself faithful and gave me a melody to sing again. And that helps you in the moment of struggle because you remember he's done it before. The next section is called the promises of God. So continue praying through with faith. Declare the promises of God over your life. It sounds simple, but it's oh so profound. We've been teaching our kids, especially our older ones, to make faith declarations. And that's just where you, you grab one of the promises of God and you learn what it is to declare that over yourself every day of your life. Declare that over yourself based on what God says whenever you're facing anything that's challenging. My three oldest ones are all girls and we've been teaching them to just 
Make the faith declaration in the morning or at night or in the middle of school. I am the beloved daughter of God. And we're trying to teach them, you are not what you do. You're not what you have. Your identity is not what others say about you. Your identity is that you are a beloved daughter of God. So that's a faith declaration because I tell you what, that truth will be combated. Can you guys attest to that? It is contested space who determines who you are. Culture, the world, even yourself will try to convince yourself of a hundred other things. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I don't have anything. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's been proven over and over again now. This is how you get to depression. This goal is now unreachable, just being a healthy person. In the middle of that, wait, no, 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 faith declaration. I'm a beloved son of God. That's who I am. That alone informs my identity. And he moves into doing that. So again, he's here in this crisis moment. Really think about the context because it's so tempting to just want to complain or it's so tempting to just want to pour out everything else. But he is saying, I'm gonna start by remembering. Then I'm gonna declare the truth of God. He said, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. That's a faith declaration who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. He's essentially saying, I am blessed as I trust the Lord. I might be facing something that feels impossible right now, but rather than quit, I'm gonna hold to the truth. I am blessed as I trust the Lord. Then he just starts bragging on God in verse five. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. I'm telling you that God can take a depressed outlook, bring it through this process of praying through, and without changing any circumstance, you can be looking at the same life and start saying, your wonders are too many to even count, God. I couldn't see before. Have you ever had that experience? God so transforms a situation in your life that it's like you were only seeing black and white, but now you're seeing in color. Many are the wonders of God. I believe he wants to do that for you in the areas that feel hopeless right now. I believe there is another side to the quitting point that you face. Verse six, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. I'm not gonna go too deep into this just because of time and it's, it's a whole other teaching in Psalm 40, but this is a, a moment of prophetic insight that David had about what was to come in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. He's saying the sacrificial system here that we're in in the Old Testament and the offerings that we've been commanded to bring is not actually what God desires, even though that's what they were commanded to do at the time. And he says, God, you've opened my ears to a deeper truth. He says, burn offerings and sin offerings you did not require. And then I said, here I am. I have come. It's like he has this prophetic insight that it's not about all these external things, it's about the heart. It's about bringing yourself before the Lord. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written within my heart. Isn't that beautiful? Even that statement is a faith declaration. God, your law, though I don't know what to do right now, is written on my heart. That's saying your voice is in me, God. I'm not separate from you, I'm with you. Because quitting points have a way of making you feel like you've lost everything. You're at the end of your rope. That's what quitting points feel like. 
What this is saying is when you're there, remind yourself, wait, the voice of God is in me. It's a faith declaration. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So even by faith, he's, he's declaring how he shares this good news with others. He doesn't even hold it, and it leads to the third section, the help of God. So it's as if before pouring out his needs, he does all this stuff, gratitude, truth, promises, before he even speaks his need out. Section three, the help of God, end with trust. Ask God for help with every situation in your life. Ultimately, God implores us over and over and over again, ask me for everything you need. Lean on me for every need in your life. And he actually commands us to ask. I've said this before, but I just wanna continually encourage us as a church family, actually ask him. Sometimes we think we're asking him just because we're thinking about it. Like worrying about something all the time isn't necessarily asking God. You see the difference there? You might be thinking about it 20 hours a week and it's destroying you. Turn that into an ask. Lord, I need your help with this. Based on your faithfulness before and based on your promises, I know I can trust you. Bam. That's praying through. You get to the other side of the quitting point. He says, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. And verse 12 really shows us how extreme of a situation David is in when he's writing Psalm 40. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. So he's dealing with it from the outside and from the inside. He says, trouble is surrounding me from all of these other external circumstances and my own sin is destroying me. I'm falling apart at every level. Yet in this moment, this is how he has chosen to pray through. These sins, these troubles are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. And then he ends with, but as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Do you see the difference in praying through challenges, praying through Psalm 40, as opposed to just running into the wall or running into the questions or running into the hopelessness and just staying here? Do you see how different that is? You need to work out that muscle. Learn to pray through. And I just know this as a pastor for years and years now. I've been, I've been in pastoral work for literally 20 years now and have worked with so many people. And often, often, I find Christians that stop working out the muscle of praying through. It's essentially giving up. Like you're still gonna name Christ. You still might even be involved in church. You still might even 
have like flashes of like freedom in the Lord. But I want to tell you, there is hope for you to actually walk in the victory of Jesus. He has provided victory for you in himself and says, I have clothed you with righteousness. And when he talks about these things like peace that passes understanding, that's a real thing that God will actually help you walk in. So I'm basically saying, don't give up. Don't live for essentially naming Christ, but living a defeated life. He wants you to know joy. He wants you to know wholeness, a life of integrity. Integrity means wholeness. And sometimes like David, he's dealing with his own sin in this. I said it last week, sin is very stupid. Sin hurts you, sin destroys you, it robs you of what God wants for you. If, if God is convicting you of sin in your heart right now, deal with it. Tell the Lord, I'm gonna lay this down. I wanna repent of this. Lord, forgive me for this. That may be part of your quitting point. A lot of times it's our sin that makes us throw in the towel. I watched a sermon, actually a clip of a sermon that went kind of viral among pastors this week. I don't know if any of you saw it. It was from a pastor named Alistair Begg. And he was talking about when you get to heaven, what will you say to them about why you're allowed to be there? Did anybody see this? I'm just curious. I'm pretty much just gonna rip off his whole clip. Pastors can do that. I gave him credit. See, we're good. That was a joke. No one laughed. Two people laughed. Are you guys with me? Okay, I'm landing the plane. Hello, are you there? He said, when you get to heaven, what will you tell them as your reason for being able to be there? And he said, if your first inclination is anything that starts with something you have done, you might be missing the very heart of the gospel. Because the only reason any of us can walk with the Lord for eternity, new heavens, new earth, whatever all that's gonna look like, is because of the gospel of Jesus, which he did for us, and we just say yes to it. So the answer needs to start with the Lord, something like the Lord has been gracious to me. The, like, what, like what he said at the end of this, but as for me, I'm poor and needy, but God has given me everything. And then he further articulated it by talking about the two thieves, the criminals that hung on both sides of Jesus when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Scripture talks about how there were three crosses, and on either side, there were these criminals. And at one point, they were even joining with the crowds and mocking Jesus. And it's an amazing story, but one of the criminals cries out and says, remember me, Jesus, when you enter eternity, remember my name. He just yells out, doesn't know anything about what's going on. And Jesus says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And Alistair Begg went on to say, what do you think the thief on that cross said when he entered heaven and got asked why he was allowed to be there. Kind of imagine an angel walking over, maybe the angel who's in charge of letting people in. This is fake, but bear with me. Who knows what it's gonna be? But just let's imagine there's a gatekeeper angel and that angel says, so why are you allowed to be here, thief? I would imagine he would say, I have no idea. I was just on a cross dying and now I'm here. And maybe the Angel would go in and, and grab another angel for some extra help, be like, hey, I'm not sure about this guy, and bring over some help. And they say, hey, dude, do you understand the, the doctrine of justification by faith? 
And the guy would be like, uh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. In other words, did you get all your doctrine right? Did you get all your beliefs right? No, I was just on a cross. I've been a criminal my whole life. Maybe they would say, and bear with me on this because the church wasn't even officially born yet in the book of Acts, but let's just say the angel's like, were you officially a member of the church of Corinth? And did they have record of your membership and your service and your giving and your attendance? Um, that thief would say, I have no. And eventually the thief would probably just say, hey, I have no idea what any of you are talking about. All I know is the man on the middle cross said I could come. That's it. And in that is the entirety of the gospel. And what I love about this is when we choose to remember the faithfulness of God, preach the gospel to ourselves. I was in the pit. I am just like the criminal on the cross. I have no hope. And, and all I've done is cried out, please help. And Jesus has said, you'll be with me. That's it. I don't care what else you did. That's not why you get eternity. That's not why you get blessing. You get it because of the good news of Jesus. So when you preach this to yourself, this gospel in the middle of a crisis, again, you're making much of God and you're putting very much in perspective the quitting point that you're facing and it will empower you to continue to run your race. Let me have the team come up. The way we're gonna close this is we're gonna sing the bridge of that brand new song a few times. Let me remind you of the lyric. It says, we were the beggars, but now we're royalty. You could just as easily write our own little verse there based on that story. We were the thief on the cross. Now we're with the Lord in paradise. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. And by singing this and by closing this service this way, regardless of where you are in your life, we're practicing what it is to pray through Psalm 40 because we're remembering our testimony. Are you guys tracking with me on this? Is anybody tracking with me? The church is quiet today. We're gonna get louder in a second because we're gonna talk about how the joy of the Lord is here. At home, please do this with us well if you're watching with us online. Let's, let's close our eyes, let's bow our hearts before the Lord, make an altar right where you are. And you might, you might be feeling great about life right now and I'm so thankful for that. You might be filled with faith and vision and passion, freedom and joy, I'm so thankful for that. But I'm gonna encourage you to make the pre-decision right now. Man, when I face my next serious challenge, when I face something that's like a quitting point, this is what I'm gonna do. So I'm gonna work out that muscle right now. But there's other here who are, others here who are deeply struggling, who might in fact be at the front edge of a quitting point. Then there are others who have faced a quitting point years, decades ago that basically quit, that basically resigned to just, I'm just gonna have to live defeated like this. And I wanna encourage you, let's pray through Psalm 40 by singing the lyrics of this song. Let's begin with gratitude. Let's just forget about all the challenges and problems. Forget about all the questions for a minute, guys. Forget it, let it out of your head. God knows those are needs. Let's just be grateful. Let's list the things we're thankful for. Let's remember our testimony. Just start doing it in your heart and mind, church. So much to be thankful for, God. Remind us, change our perspective. And let that lead you right into the next part of Psalm 40, faith declarations. I may not feel it right now. I may feel the opposite of this right now, but this is what I know to be true.
And then let's pour out our needs before the Lord. Let's ask him for help in every area of our life. And in asking, let's trust. Curtis, if you lead us in this bridge, and then we're gonna sing this whole song together, church. Let's just sing these simple lyrics. You know, one last thought, then I'm gonna pray this benediction will be dismissed. A lot of times when I start facing something that feels like a real challenge in the middle of my work day or maybe in the morning, one of the things I do in this sanctuary a lot is I'll feel overwhelmed and I'll just come in this sanctuary by myself and I will literally just choose to loudly praise God. And I will run like a madman in this room. Like running is allowed in this church because I run in this church. I will run in circles around this room. I will run up and down this aisle and like shout to God. Partially because for a long time, pastoring as a church planner, never had a sanctuary, never had anywhere I can go. But there's something about shouting to God, worshiping God, and you have no clue what you're gonna do. That's praying through. It's declaring faith. And I just encourage you, you can do that here if you want, come on in. I'd be thrilled if people were randomly running laps here in the middle of any given Tuesday or Thursday afternoon. Come on in, I will let you in, you can take your laps. Shout, find, yell to God in your car. Let worship rise up in your heart. Don't settle for not being a child of the King. You are a child of the King. He's a faithful God. He's above and over every challenge that you face. He has every solution. He has everything you could ever need. And it's still gonna be hard and you're still gonna have to really move through it. It's gonna be challenging, but he is with you. There's hope, there's future. He has a plan for your life. So I just wanna encourage you with that in closing. On your way out, um, hopefully 30 of you sign up for Graceland Kids, sign up for the rest of the stuff. Just meet the people. A lot of the team leaders are out there ready to say hi to you. We'll be back next week continuing to look at the Psalms. God is faithful and good. Go with confidence into the days ahead, trusting in God's unfailing love and faithfulness. God will not abandon you, for you are the work of his hands, his own creation, and his love endures forever. So go enjoy to love and serve the Lord. In Christ's name, amen.